I was told I was supposed to introduce myself. If you don't know me, I'm Pastor Randy, and we're so glad that you're here. Four more days till Christmas. Everybody ready? Everybody ready for Christmas? Everyone got all the shopping done? Who's got it done? Who does? Well, sure. Who hasn't got it done? Oh, all right. <coughs> Four more days. Four more days. Plenty of time. You got plenty of time. So glad you're here. In the four days before Christmas, you know, we've been doing a three-part series on angels and the fear that they brought. And two weeks ago, Pastor Adam brought a thing about fear when the angel appeared to Mary. And then last week, Dan brought a terrific message. Pastor Dan brought a terrific message on when the angel appeared to Joseph. Mary had come to Joseph and said, look, I don't know how to tell you this, but I am pregnant. And Joseph goes, what? And uh, he had, uh, had a moment of setback there until he finally took a dream, had a dream. And then the angel of the Lord came to him in the dream and said, Mary is going to have baby Jesus, the, the son of God. And you're going to be his earthly father. You're going to be his earthly father for 33 years. You're going to show him how to be a boy. You're going to show him how to be a man. And you've been called and appointed by God to be his earthly father. And then we're, today we're going to talk about uh, fear not. Where do you stand with God? The angels, for whatever reason, came to the shepherds. And we're going to talk about why in the world did the angel come to the shepherds? Because they wanted to know where they stood with God. So this morning, I just want to ask you, how, 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 you, how's, <laughs> I hate it when that happens. How's your stand with God? You know, how do you stand with God? If we're believers, we know that we're saved. We know we're going to heaven, you know, and uh, we got this life to live. And when we're out of here, we're out of here and we go to heaven, whether it's an hour from now or whether it's a whole bunch of years from now. We're ready to go. But if you don't know, if you don't know, if someone says, you know 100% for sure that you're going to heaven. And you say, well, I, I think so. I'm kind of a good person. Or, or I hope so. If the answer is hope so, nope so, I don't know all else. Wouldn't you want to know for sure? Wouldn't you want to know for sure 100%? Wouldn't you want to know that you're going to heaven? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Mom. <laughs> So where do you stand with God? Where do you stand with God? I can't speak for the rest of you, but about being f- afraid. I remember as a young boy, I was fortunate to be raised in a Christian home. And maybe you had the same situation where your parents would take you and it's time to say your prayers, Randy. And I go, oh, good. So I get down on my hands and knees and they'd say this prayer. But it had a freaky part. It had a part that would scare me half to death. And so I just want you to raise your hand when we get to the freaky part, the part that would scare you if you were a little kid. Ready? Here we go. Remember, raise your hand. Here's a prayer. I would kneel down. Dear Jesus, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die, <laughs> you too, huh? If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Good night, sweetie. <laughs> Don't let the bed bugs. Now we got bed bugs, and I'm going to die in my sleep, and I'm going to go to hell. <laughs> they flip off the light and shut the door, and there I would be. Scared to death. What do you mean I'm going to die? Where am I going to go? <laughs> God, are you going to take my soul? 
really? And then I'd, I'd fall asleep. I'd pray for my, my folks and my dog and the neighbor and all that, and then I'd fall asleep. Then I'd wake up. i go, okay, I didn't die. I didn't go to hell. I, my soul's still here. But I forgot to say amen to the big guy. So then I go, Lord, I got a whole bunch of amens for you just in case I do that sleep thing again. So I go, amen, 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 amen. And then just to make sure, I'd say, God, this is multiplication for you. So all things are possible with you. I'm going to multiply. Amen times amen times amen. And I'd have all these amens just in case I fell asleep. Anybody? I'm scared. That sounds silly, but that's the way I was. Don't let the bed bugs bite. I don't want to die. I don't want to go to hell. God says, I'm going to give you some, a few extra amens. And I gave him those. I want you to think about something. We're going to take a look at another fear. Anybody have fear in their life? You're worried about this, you're worried about that, and you let it kind of boil up inside of you. And what if? You play the what if game and you get all bound up. Well, we're going to talk about that, but we're going to talk about how we can be a game changer where you stand with God. Fear not. Do not fear. You know how many times in the Bible it says fear not? Do not be afraid. It talks about the fear of the Lord, which means fervent, reverent worship of God. You know how many times? 365 times somebody counted up. One for every day of the year. Every day God is saying, don't fear, don't be afraid. I am with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Somebody had actually found another one, 366, this for leap year. Isn't that cool? 366 times. He's saying, fear not. I've got, for your dining enjoyment, I've got 50 verses in the back, and the ushers will pass them out. 50 verses about God's standing and encouragement for you as far as fear. I'll just read you just a couple of quick ones. Um, here's a good one. Do not fear the bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. Do not be afraid, for I am with you to deliver you. For the Lord, your God, is living among you. Somebody say amen. He's a mighty Savior. He'll delight in your gladness with his love. Be calm with your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Pick that up when you leave. And we'll talk about that later. Maybe it's come time for prayer. Let's pray and then we'll get going on this thing. Dear Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for being in your presence four days before Christmas and we get to be in your house. Lord, we get to focus on you, focus on your word, Focus on the message that you had even 400 years before you were born that you were going to be here. But Lord, we thank you. Thank you for each person here, each family represented. Lord, may this be the best Christmas, the best Christmas ever. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to take, we've already done it a couple times. We're going to look at Luke 2, 8 through 20. And help me out. And there were what? Shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said, don't be afraid, because they're bringing good news, great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, is the Savior who has been born to you, and his name is Christ, and he is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you, a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, say suddenly, 
say suddenly like you mean it. Thank you. <laughs> there was a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. And the angels left and went to heaven, and the shepherds said, Let's go to Bethlehem, see what this thing is all about. So they hurried off, found Mary and Joseph and the baby in the major. When they'd seen him, they spread the word of what was being told about the child. And all who heard were amazed. <coughs> we kind of read those stories and we go, oh, that's, that's a nice little story. But what if it was you and you're sitting on that hillside and it's midnight, you've got a little fire going, you've got a hundred sheep that are trying to sleep, and you're minding your own business and you've got a little fire going. And you can see Bethlehem, it said, they were living out in the fields, which means they lived out in the fields for about eight, nine months at a time. So they didn't have the convenience of coming into town all that often. But they lived out in the fields, and nearby, they were about five miles away from Bethlehem. They could see the little lights. But all of a sudden, you're up there on the thing, and they're keeping watch over their animals. And suddenly, the Lord appeared to them. An angel appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Okay. We're out in the deep woods, out on a pasture. It's completely dark, and all of a sudden, poof! This light shines up, and it's the brightest light you've ever seen. And the guy's eight feet tall. And he says, fear not. I'd say, too late. (laughs) It's too late. He said he was terrified. Terrified means fear beyond fear. I would say, hey, man, what do you mean fear not? I think I may have wet myself, and the sheep are all gone. That's how bad it was. The sheep were gone. The head sheep named Wayne was gone. (laughs) And there was remnants of sheep all over the place. It was terrifying. Imagine if it was you up on that hill. And suddenly, oh, today, in the town of David, is the Savior born to you. And we kind of blow right past that part because the prophecies... 400 years before Jesus was born was that there was going to be a Messiah. He was going to be a Messiah. And the leaders of the church at that time thought it was going to be just for them. Messiah was going to be a political leader to set them free from the politics and the bondage of where they were. But God was coming after the heart. God was coming after the heart. It says, born to you, Christ the Lord, which means Messiah the Lord. Suddenly, everyone say suddenly. A host, a great company, and a heavenly host of angels. We get the idea that a couple of angels showed up, but really what that is, a host is an army, a whole army of angels that showed up. So we got this big eight-foot guy, and then suddenly we got everywhere you can look, angels, everywhere, everywhere, excited that they were there to proclaim the good news. And what did they say? Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. They said it. They didn't sing it. Sorry. That's just what it says here. So help me say that. Glory to God in the highest. Not in the highest. And on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. One more time. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. And it went on. And it went on. And it went on. And the glory of the Lord was there. What was that like? 
Then, verse 15, it says, then the angels left, poof, and went to heaven, and the shepherd said, wow, that was awesome. But now it's totally dark. It had been bright. Now there was an army of angels. They're gone, and now you're back in the dark with the fireplace and your four buddies keeping watch over the sheep. You know, well, what do you want to do? I don't know, dude. What do you want to do? Well, let's go to Bethlehem. Okay. So they hurried off to Bethlehem. And they saw Mary and Joseph. You know what it says? Who's, it's kind of strange that God would pick, pick the shepherds to come to. But it was the shepherds who started spreading the word about Jesus' birth. It was the average Joe, just like you and me. It was the average Joe that started spreading the gospel of Jesus. They went, you won't believe that. There was this angel thing, and there was a whole bunch of them, and then poof, they were gone, and we came here. And here we are. And it's true. And people go, really? They were the first ones to start spreading the gospel. And they all were amazed that heard him. It's so good about this story. It's all about that we need a Savior. We need Jesus. We all know that. Back in the day, people would hire someone to go, Hear ye, hear ye. Joseph and Mary have just given birth to a baby boy. Come to the reception at the temple this afternoon. They would have a heralder that would go around. This time it was the angels that came to the shepherds. Of all the people that the Lord could have used, why did he come to the shepherds? They were on the low ladder, low rung of the ladder as far as humanity was concerned. They weren't supposed to be trusted. They were disrespected. Nobody wanted to be around them. But the Lord says, I want everyday people. I want everyday people to spread the news. They could have gone to the kings and the royalty, but they came to the shepherds. Some people said, well, of course they sent shepherds. I got shepherds in my nativity scene. Shepherds were the most disrespected people around. And they had no means of advancement. They were in that occupation. The religious people at the time would condemn them for being unclean. They would try to come to temple. And they were put off on the side. And they were unclean. They were physically unclean. They were spiritually unclean. And if you even touched a shepherd, uh, you were unclean. And they felt really distant from God. Have you ever felt distant from God? Have you prayed like crazy and it doesn't seem like your prayers go through the ceiling? Have you been in those lonely times? God hasn't moved. <laughs> A lot of times it's, we've moved. we put up the wall. But they felt very unworthy. The first thing, the shepherds felt very unworthy. They couldn't be along to the church. They couldn't be part of the deal. They were talked about being unclean. And they hung out with sheep. <laughs> you know how sheep smell? Ever have a, who has a dog? Wet dog? Times 100. These things smelled. And these guys were out there. They didn't have any porta potties. They didn't have any running water. They didn't have a change of clothes. They didn't have a razor. 
They had no deodorant. They had no uh, aftershave for eight, nine months. They had probably a way of cleaning themselves off. But they smelled and the sheep smelled. You know one thing that sheep have? Well, I won't tell you. Well, dingleberries. Sheep have dingleberries. Look it up later. <laughs> You'll be surprised. <laughs> the shepherds were physically... John's going, uh-huh. All right. They were physically dirty. They were considered unclean. What about you? What about me? A lot of us feel that way sometimes. That we're just not good enough. He said, man, I know what I've done wrong. I know the good things I should do, and I don't do them. Anybody? I know the bad things I shouldn't do, and I do them. How in the world is God going to love me? I do the things that I, I... The things I should do, I don't, and the bad things I shouldn't do, I do. And you look around at everybody at Christmas time... And they look so Christmassy. Say, turn to her neighbor and say, you look really nice today. Turn to somebody and say, you smell good. I hope you weren't lying. (laughs) You know, and then there's some of you that have small kids and you were coming to church this morning and you're driving the car and the kids are fighting in the back and you're reaching back trying to grab them. Ever do that, dads? Try to drive and reach back and grab a neck at the same time? And yet, you kids don't stop that. Get over on your line. And we fight and we tell them to be quiet. Then we come into the church. We walk across the church. And the teenage girl, she's upset. They always fold their arms and they walk like this. (laughs) Not impressed. And the teenage boys are doing this. The mom comes in smiling, praise God. The dad's kind of going, oh, man, I don't even want to be in church. And you come in the door and say, hey, brother, how are you? Oh, praise Jesus. God, glory to God, I'm in church. So glad to see you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And you're thinking on your breath, man, I'm such a fool. It's not, they did feel unworthy. They didn't belong. They weren't part of the deal. The other thing that the shepherds did, the angel of the Lord comes, they feel inadequate. Why would in the world would they be? They, they wouldn't be adequate. Let me ask you ladies something. Have you ever gone to like a woman's group or a soap group or, or something? You've gone to somebody's house and you go in and it's just absolutely perfect. And they got candles going. They got music flowing in the background. They got little bowls of chocolate everywhere. They got... They've got vacuum marks. Ever been to those people that got perfect vacuum marks on the floor? You know, it's perfect. I love to go to their house and go. <laughs> and they got some kind of weird thing around the teapot. They like, got like a little quilt for the teapot. Oh. And then you go back to your own house and you come in and it smells like laundry and the dog. You can't even tell what kind of carpet you have or flooring. You can't find anything. And you come in and go, oh, I am so inadequate compared to Sister So-and-so. 
and we compare ourselves. And the men, we do the same thing. We go to somebody's house says, you want to see the shop? And uh, the guy goes, oh, well, I guess. And you go in there and there's opens up and there's like organ music from heaven and there's three cars parked parked in the garage and all the tools are this way and there's a press and all this stuff and the floor has been clean you can eat off of it but it looks like a checkerboard ever been to that guy's house and then they got pegboards and they got outlines of the tools in case you lose a tool you can go oh that goes up there <laughs> been to that guy's house i go to my house i open up the garage and things are falling down on me <laughs> i can get in <sighs> So inadequate sometimes, but God still loves us. God still loves you. He doesn't want us to be there. <coughs> I've always taken pride in ownership. Uh, it's something that was ingrained to me by my dad. So I always put up the lights in the house when I was living with my folks. And to this day, I take great pride in, in, in putting lights on the house for the kids and the neighbors and whoever comes by, grandkids. <coughs> and so I was kind of the leader of the pack in our cul-de-sac. And uh, so I did that for years. And about eight years ago, this Marine slash ex-Navy SEAL moved in the neighborhood. And he came in, and he decided that he was going to put up a ton of lights. And so that's my little boat. There's Sean's house. I hate Sean. <laughs> he's, got, he's got lights on every part of the house. He's got a bow on the roof, every plant. He's got, he's, got, he's got the angel of the Lord sitting in the front by the mailbox. He's got the mailbox. Next slide. He's got the mailbox that's all decorated. And then he's got Santa and the sleighs with those reindeer that move and bop and turn and look at you. Well, thank you, Karen. <laughs> but I felt so inadequate. So I came home one night and I'm driving and I pulled in. He doesn't have it this year, but last year I pulled in. He's got a basketball hoop. On the basketball hoop was a standing angel that's all lit up in white. And this guy has got a little motor on it. And so on the basketball hoop, here's the angel of the Lord going. (laughs) I call him up and I go, Sean, I said, I give up. I give up. You're the leader of the cul-de-sac. You can have it. It's all yours. I'm not worthy. I'm not adequate. It's all you. He says, what are you talking about? I said, you got the angel of the Lord sitting on the basketball hoop. I cannot compete with that. He says, no, no, you're fine. So is there one more to my little house? Ah, there you go. I really had no reason to feel inadequate, but I didn't have the angel going. <laughs> the shepherds felt inadequate too. They couldn't come to church. They couldn't be part of the deal. They couldn't be part of the fellowship. And because of that, the leadership made them feel bad. No shame on you. There's no shame on you. But back in the day, they didn't feel like they even mattered. They felt so in particular. Sometimes, us church folks, we worry about what other people say. So we'll get in a small group, and there'll be somebody... It always happens. There's always somebody in the group. Well, the Lord says in uh, John, and they give you the scripture and the verse, and they'll quote you the scripture. And then they'll quote from books of the Bible you've never heard of. You know? And so they got all this word in them. And then when they pray, have you heard a, a, a Christian that's been a Christian for a long time pray? I mean, it's like, ooh, 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 ooh. And they pray heaven down, and, and uh, 
pray the devil out and they do all that, you know. And I think to myself sometimes, man, that's really good. Last time I prayed that way was a couple days ago. A couple days ago, did I lose you? Um, I tried to find a parking spot in the mall and I was praying, Lord, don't let me kill that guy that just took my parking spot. <laughs> Never seen that guy? Third thing, shepherds really felt unloved. It's not fun being lonely. It's not feeling, it's not good to feel unloved. Sometimes this time of year, we do that. We've all gone through hurt. We weren't raised in the best of families. Some of us had alcoholics. Some of us had people that were just mean and nasty and they would beat us and Christmas was just a day to get drunk. Some of us, uh, you know, came from split homes, just all the stuff. No, I don't want to get heavy. But what, what is the main thing is God loves us. And we're not supposed to compare ourselves to the other guy. Look, nobody's getting A's and everything. Whatever, whatever, where'd Wayne go? Wayne left. But whatever you're getting A's in, you're getting A's in something in part of life. Right? You actually are. And over here, somebody's getting a D in the same thing. And then vice versa, somebody's getting an A. We're all works of God. We're all creations of God. We're under different areas of construction. There used to be an old song. We're kids under construction. God isn't done with me yet. God's not done with you yet. There's more to come. And what you're having problems with, he's going to get you through that. No one's getting A's and everything. We come into church like this and we can, sometimes we go, wow, everyone looks like they got it together, praise God. Boy, they've never been through what I've been through. And what you don't know is the story behind the story. We're all miracles, right? We're all miracles. And we don't know. And we don't need to know. But sometimes we come into church and think, man, everybody's got it together. I am the only one that's messing up. And it's not true. It's not true. You could be sitting right next to somebody and think, man, they got it all together. They got the big house. They got the toys. They got all the really nice cars. You go into their house and you see how lonely they are and how sad they are because Jesus isn't real to them. And they would almost give it up. But Jesus is saying, a Savior is born. And he's born to you, 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 and me. And his name is Christ the Lord. Christ the Lord. Thank goodness for LifeSpring. We're not a church that's based on rules and regulations other than what the Bible says, but we don't have a whole bunch of rules and regulations to bang over your head. This is a church of grace. It's a church that Jesus loves you and he has a plan and a hope and a future for you. He has a hope and a plan and a future for you. He doesn't want you staying stuck the same way that you've been, excuse me, for the last month and for the last year. He wants you to be, to have relationships. He wants the relationships that are broken to be healed. He wants your health to be good. He wants, he wants you to be at peace. He wants you to have victory. He wants you to live on purpose. He wants you to live with passion. He wants to have you every day living for him and loving him like never before. Man will look on the outside. Man sees a man 
And the man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. God's looking at your heart every day. And he wants so much to be a part of your life. He doesn't want to be over here like an afterthought floating around over here. He wants to be dead center in your heart. Dead center in your heart. When I got married to the redhead, <laughs> wow, it's been a lot of years. But, uh, and we were Christians, and we, we wanted something to symbolize our faith for, each, for God and for each other. So we had, on the invitations and on, on even on the cake, it was just a silver cross. Silver cross. Then it had two rings. Silver rings intertwined with each other like the Olympics. Like this, two rings with a cross. And we committed to each other way back then. Way back then. That no matter what, and just like if you've been married any time, you know that you get some mountaintop experiences and you get some ones that aren't quite, quite so fun. But we committed to each other that no matter what, no matter what, no matter what, Christ was going to be in the middle of our relationship. And that's what he wants for you. He wants to be in the middle of your relationship. He doesn't want you playing games. He doesn't want you being the same person in 2014 that you're going to be in 2015. There's more to go. There's more to go. I got off track, but that's okay. (laughs) We need a Savior, and we need Him today. And how does that apply to my life? Paul was probably wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He was Saul before that time, and he uh, hated Christians. He didn't want anything to do with them. In fact, he killed some until Jesus got a hold of him. Kind of like you. You got a testimony. You weren't such a sweet person. And thank God he got hold of all of us. You know? Someone say amen. amen. Anybody want to go back to who that person was? <laughs> oh, my goodness. No. Anyway, here's what Paul says in Romans 3, 20 to 22. Is up there? I'm going to read it all, then we'll break it down. Verse 20. What does it say? For no one can be, ever be made right by God by doing what the law commands. You have no idea, but the law simply shows us how sinful we are. Nobody can live by the law. The Mosaic Law had 613 parts to it. How much if you had 613 do's and uh, don'ts that you can't do, how many of those would you be able to keep? Verse 21 just goes on to say, uh, God, But God has shown us a way to be made right with Him. Here's the good news. Without keeping the requirements of the law. So he says, we don't have to keep the law because we can't do it anyway. And then on verse 22, he says, We're made right by God by observing the law, by placing our faith in who? In who? (sighs) Because no matter who we are. That's the good news. That's the good news. A couple of quick points. You can't earn God's acceptance by observing the law. That's what this verse says. You can't do it. The shepherds tried to live by... Mosaic law, 613 laws. Moses, Moses, 
He goes up on the mountain, he comes down, he says, I got ten things that God has told me that we need to live our lives by. And the people complained even then. He says, what do you mean we got ten? We can't do those. And he said, well, I talked them down from twenty. <laughs> he said, no, I got ten. People said, well, obviously we can't do this. Finally, Jesus said, you've heard about the law, you've heard about the ten commandments. I tell you, here it is. Two things. Two things that you've got to do. Love me. Love me. Every day. Love me. Love me with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Love me. Be in my presence. Be in my word. Pray to me. Sing to me. Love me with all your heart. Every day. And the second is like to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Two things. Sometimes that's really tough even with that. Number two, the law just shows us, I mean, the the scripture just showed that we need a Savior. We need a Savior. Okay, so why do we need a Savior? Because we're not all right. In fact, if you work with me here, I'm going to show you how bad you really are. How many think they're really good people for the most part? You're pretty basic, for the most part, you're a good person. Hands were going up all over the place. Praise God. Well, I just want to show you how bad you really are. Yeah, it's Christmas. <laughs> so work with me. Okay, how many have ever, ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Keep it up. If you see anybody that doesn't have a hand up, point to them and go, liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> I'd love to do that in church. I don't think I've ever done that. Why pass off that? All right. How many have ever stolen anything? Oh, wow. How many have staplers at your home that belong to a previous employer? <laughs> or office supplies? Men, you got tools that don't belong to you, belong to previous employers. Women, you got little knickknacks in your kitchen that you got somewhere. Probably a potluck. You stole those things at a potluck. <laughs> you got to get that stuff back. Okay, work with me on this one. So, some of you are liars, some of you are. So, just hold your hand close to your chest. I'm going to ask you a question, and after I ask the question, I just want you to show me a little pinky. Okay? Not this guy, you know. Austin, Austin Powers, but okay, this way. Okay. How many of you have ever, ever looked lustfully upon another person? Lustfully means that you want to get it on with them. <laughs> Man, there's pinkies all over the place. I saw one guy like this. <laughs> was that you? I can't remember who it was. There was like three of you going... So I don't want to know the number. I just want to know if you've had that problem. See, really? That many? Lord Almighty. <laughs> so help me out. If you tell, have told lies ever, you are known as a liar. And the Bible says if you look somebody lustfully, you've committed adultery. So if, if you lie, you're a what? Liar. If you've stolen, you're a what? And if you ever look lustfully at somebody, you're a... 
A what? <laughs> Somebody in the first one said pervert, but that's not it. <laughs> no, you're an adulterer. You're an adulterer. So, let me see if I got this right. <sighs> We're a church of lying, thieving adulterers. Well, Merry Christmas to you. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you all. We're all liars. We're all thieves. You know what, though? And see, until you see yourself as a sinner, even if you've been saved, whether you've been saved two months or 25 years, you still need to go to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, I messed up again, Lord. Lord, forgive me. Come in, make me fresh and anew. Let me walk with you. Let me live with you every day. Lord, forgive me. I need a Savior. I need you. I need you like never before. Uh, We need his grace. We need his unmerited favor just to flow over us. And religion can't save you. You know what religion is? Religion is man's way of trying to reach up to God. There's all kinds of churches that will tell you you've got to do this, this, and this, and this. If you do this, you get to go to heaven. And that's man's way. It's religion trying to reach up to God. Christianity is God reaching down through Jesus to you and me and being real as real can be and changing your life, doing miracles in your life, healing relationships you thought there is no way, setting you free and letting the Spirit of God that comes into you when you get saved, the Spirit of God is in you and letting that Spirit flourish and grow and make a difference in your world. Amen? <laughs> ah. The good news is you can't be good enough for God. You can't do the law. We need a Savior. And number three, it just comes that we just need to have faith in Christ alone. And you know that. It's not, it's, you know, and when we say that, it's not Jesus and religion. It's not Christ plus going to church and being a member. It's not Christ and giving all your money and and saying, well, I tithe to the church. No, it's about Christ and nothing except you. It's Christ and you. So, verse 22 says, We are made right by God by doing what? Oh, here we go. We are made right by God by placing our faith in Christ Jesus. Are you good enough for God? I'm sure you are. Or you wouldn't be here. But what God did on the cross, the whole story about the manger, prophesied for at least 400 years before Jesus was born, talked about the Messiah that was going to come, and the people at that time would go, yeah, the Messiah is going to come sometime. But what they didn't get is the Messiah that some of those folks were looking was for someone to be, to save us from the politics and just the thoughts of the day but it had nothing to do with changing our heart. And that's the part that Jesus wants. He wants to change your heart. He wants to change your heart. You know what's cool? He doesn't see your sin anymore. He doesn't see your sin anymore. You're fresh. You're brand new. You make a mistake, there you go. Just go back to him and say, Lord, well, here we go. And he says, "What what are you talking about? I paid for that on the cross. You don't, have, you don't have to carry that around. You don't have to have, this is encouragement, how not to have fear. You don't have to have fear in your life. You don't have to have regret in your life. 
That many times we probably feel like the shepherds, unworthy, inadequate, unloved. But in verse 22 it says, We are all made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And then the last part says, No matter who we are. Jesus loves us so much. He loves you so much. Do you get that? He wants an everyday experience. The Christian story that we know is what we've been talking about, the Christian story. Jesus came, the angel came to Mary, angel came to Joseph, angel came to the shepherds. And they prophesied and they talked about that this Jesus was going to be born. And Christ the Lord was going to be born. Born in a manger. But he didn't stay in the manger. He got off the manger. And became a young man and he did everything. And then he started doing miracles and he had three years of ministry. And then the leaders of the church at the time thought he was talking blasphemy. So they arranged for him to be killed. And killed in the most cruel way ever with crucifixion. Beat him to a pulp before it happened. And then they put him on the cross. But he didn't stay on the cross. He put him in a tomb and he got out three days later and resurrected. And he walked around and he ministered to thousands of people before he went into heaven. That's the message. We're still here. But the reason for us is Mary and Joseph and the shepherds were just like you and me. Regular Joes, regular Marys, regular Joannes. The Christmas story is about real people. You and me. You and me. You and me. Who God called for a purpose beyond yourself. Do you believe that God has a purpose for you beyond yourself? And then they, all those, Mary and Joseph and the angels, they responded, yes. What about you? It's Christmas. It's Christmas. New Year's just around the corner. Every day with Jesus is a precious gift. You probably heard somebody say, dot, 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 tear it open. God is, wants good, is, God is bringing you the most amazing Christmas present ever. And he's saying, here's this gift. Every day, every day I bring you my gift. I love you so much. I love you so much. I want you to have the best life ever. Here it is. Like a little kid, you tear it open. And Jesus just sits back and smiles. That's one of my kids. That's my kid. They love me so much. <laughs> so it's everyday people with God. Call for a purpose beyond yourselves. And then say yes. Just say yes every chance you get. Don't hold back. Some of you, no, I won't go there. Don't live in 2005. Don't make 2005 like 2015. It can't be the same thing over and over again. Let, let Jesus come in and infuse you like never before with his grace and his peace his mercy his victory his healing 
He loves us. The old song, Oh, how he loves you and me. So, hopefully you got something out of that. Thanks for putting up with me. There's a thing about, we always say, Jesus is the reason for the season. I saw this and it just really spoke to my heart. Hopefully it speaks yours. And it says, Jesus isn't just the reason for the season. He's a reason for every day of my life. Help me read that. And say my instead of our. Jesus isn't the reason for this just the season. He's the reason every day of my life. So I want you to live in victory. Jesus wants you to live in victory. If you're here this morning, you say, man, you have no idea how much I allow fear and anxiety to rule my life. And I hate it. I hate it. And I want to be free from that. I want to be free from that. I don't want to live that way. I want to be free. So if that's you, just say, I'm raising my hand. I'm going to make a new step. In the new year, I'm going to live on purpose. I'm going to live every day for Jesus. Is that you this morning? Just raise your hand. Yep, yep. I probably got both hands up. Lord, I thank you for this, these friends. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. Lord, you love us so, so much. We are not inadequate in your eyes. We're not unloved. We're not unworthy. We are one of your kids. And you don't want us living in fear. You don't want us living in anxiety. Lord, you want to set us free. And we thank you for your birth. We thank you for your life, your death, your resurrection. And we thank you that we can live every day for you. So when you go, the usher's got a bunch of these sheets to encourage you. Read them. Read three or four days. Put them on the bathroom mirror. Put them on your computer. Put them on the TV. Put them somewhere and read two or three verses that talk about why you should not fear and quit living there and start living in faith. Amen. So take care of of those. God bless you.